0: Hello, 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 listeners. Welcome to Dismantling Injustice, brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund. And New Yorkers, this episode is for you in particular. Today, we're joined by Marissa Lurian, Executive Director of the Advocacy Institute, an organization that builds the capacity of nonprofit organizations throughout the state um, to do advocacy, to engage legislators on issues that they work on. Marissa and I talk about how the New York State budget process works, what we should look out for this season, and why every day New Yorkers, meaning you, should care. Um, So when we come back, we'll be joined by Marissa. Great, so again, today we're joined by Marissa Martin from the Advocacy Institute, where she serves as Executive Director. Thank you so much for joining us, Marissa.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Well, to start us off, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and the work of the Advocacy Institute?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So at the Advocacy Institute, uh, our mission is really to support social justice organizations uh, in order for them to build the advocacy skills, knowledge and power uh, they need to shape government policy for a more just and equitable New York. Um, And the the Advocacy Institute was really born out of the understanding that our government structures were intentionally not created equitably, um, especially for the New York we have today, Um, you know, thinking about immigrant communities, BIPOC communities. Um, So the Advocacy Institute really wanted to demystify those government structures so that they're easier to access and engage with. Um, and I saw this firsthand. I graduated from Social Work school uh, community organizing and I worked doing policy advocacy um, for many years. And I saw, you know, how difficult it was to navigate Albany and how inequitable it was um, in that space to really have access to those decision makers, those folks in power. Um, and while there is a formal process to passing a bill to passing a budget, there was so much nuance and uh, so much, uh, kind of insider information that you had to know in order to be really effective. And so um, I participated with the Advocacy Institute as an advocate many years ago and uh, was really blown away. And so um, the way in which they really support organizations and we continue to transform and, and grow and adapt um, is to deliver trainings on these different processes, bring in those nuances, bring in experts, Uh, creating tools and diagrams, and and just helping people navigate and bring together uh, advocates and organizers to connect and share their experiences
0: with each other. That's amazing. I have to say, um, the Advocacy Institute, for me, at least, is really a stoutable resource for grassroots organizations um, across the state. I participated in an Advocacy Institute training years ago as well, and that's how I first learned of the organization. And every organization that I've worked at SINCE, i always encourage, oh, we should join the Advocacy Institute because of their resources and their training and stay in advocacy and the budget and so on. And envision Freedom, we've already gotten in I'm so much out of being members of the Advocacy Institute. Um, so thank you. And um, it's so great that you all continue to do this amazing work so many years later. Yeah,
1: also That's great to hear. <laughs>
0: but um, I was hoping, Risa, that you could give us a 101-1 on how the new york state budget is passed
1: yeah absolutely and um i will start by saying that we do like hour and a half webinars and you know two hour sessions on uh the state budget process so i'll try to make it as high level uh as possible and encourage folks to reach out to us if they have deeper questions um but the first and foremost what we say at all of our trainings is we ground in the timeline and so really um, understanding that formal process and understanding sort of when decisions are made. And so in New York state, um, our state legislature is actually part-time officially. So their session uh, only goes from January till June and the state budget has to pass by April 1st. And so that's a really tight window of three months uh, for advocates to really be engaging. However, um, you know, prior to January um, and all throughout the year, the uh, governor's office and the state agencies are assessing each quarter sort of their spending and how they're doing. Um, and so, you know, whenever we're, we're entering into the budget uh, advocacy, uh, that's one thing we encourage folks to do is say, where are you, where are we in the process? Because that can really inform your strategy. Um, and so then uh, when we start off in January, the, the first big, big thing that comes out is the governor releases their executive budget Uh, So Governor Hochul released it uh, in January. It's a $227 billion budget. Um, And, you know, thinking about that, that's a huge amount. And it's uh, because there's a financial component to every government action, right? Every policy we have. Um, And when that budget comes out, you know, folks scramble, the legislature, the uh, advocates to really look at what's in that budget, because this shows us the governor's priorities right? And so it's so important for us to pay attention to this because as New Yorkers, uh, when we look at the budget, we can see are the issues we care about included in this budget, right? Are, there, are the recommendations that the governor is making uh, what we think are good solutions, equitable solutions for our communities, or are they not enough? Are they not included, right? What do they, they look like? And so that's one step after the executive budget comes out in January. Um, and then it's sort of three months of massive negotiations. And so once that comes out, there's gonna be budget hearings that happen. Um, So those have been going on since um, uh, February, the beginning of February, and actually I think today is the last budget hearing. And so that's when uh, the agencies come before the state legislature and the state legislature can really ask them about their agency budgets that are included in that executive budget, right? How they're spending, get any clarifying questions, all of those pieces. Um, And it's also a place for advocates where they can engage, right? You can work with your uh, legislative partners to testify, to share what your community thinks of a certain policy, make your recommendations if something wasn't included. Um, And then the uh, legislature takes all that information back. Uh, And so after today, after these hearings, uh, the legislature will take all of that information back, uh, sort of talk through it uh, amongst themselves. And, you know, all, all the while in the back end, the legislature has been organizing themselves, right? The assembly is organizing themselves, the Senate's organizing themselves about what their priorities are, what each uh, individual member's priorities are. Uh, and then they'll come out, um, we're looking at probably mid-March, um, hopefully a little sooner, uh, we'll get what we call the one-house budgets. And so what that is, is a response. So the assembly has a response, the Senate has a response to um, the executive budget, right? And what they think looks good, what they think should be shifted, what wasn't included. Um, and a lot of times there's a lot that they include that isn't included because um, they've been working with advocates on some, uh, you know, policies or funding that is really needed. Um, and then after that, uh, we have what we call three people in a room, right? It used to be Three white men in a room, and now it's three people in a room, and they're negotiating. So it's our assembly speaker Hastie, our majority leader uh, Andrea Stewart Cousins, and the governor's office, and they're just negotiating through, um, you know, the the final budget so that it's a balanced budget. Um, so again, in our state, uh, the governor holds a good amount of power uh, to drive the budget, uh, and and so that's why keeping an eye on the executive budget, all the legislature. Is doing is really responding to that and trying to uh, put things in uh, that that are important priorities for them and so as that's going along, <laughs> meanwhile advocates are in Albany all the time every session day holding rallies, holding lobby days, you know having meetings with legislators um, and and just really trying to make sure that uh, their front and center and their priorities are um, recognized by the legislature by the governor's office um, and will hopefully be included.
0: That was such a great breakdown um, of the budget process and why it's important. Um, one thing that used to confuse me and that I'm sure confuses a lot of people is that oftentimes substantive legislation is passed during the budget process. So, for example, one of the initiatives that we follow here at Invidian Slating Fund and that we work on and advocate around is bear reform. And you know, governor in Governor Vucos' budget, um, she proposes making amendments um, that would further roll back bail reform. And so I am just wondering, because um, a lot of our listeners might be confused about what does bail reform have to do with the budget? Um, the budget has to do with things like education and services. What bail reform? What about what's that about? What's the spending involved there? And so I was wondering if you could explain. House, how how um, on issues like bail reform are legislated through the budget?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, one place to really ground in is that our uh, the the budget as it passes is the biggest piece of legislation that our state legislature passes that our government passes. Um, so our our budget is a bill. Um, it, it it or it's an omnibus bill. It's made up of many different bills, and so one of them. Is uh, called Article Seven, and that's where that um, policy language comes into that legislation. Um, and I would say, for folks who are saying, you know, what does that have to do with the budget? Um, as I started off with with the process, every government action, every policy that happens um, in the state costs something, right? And 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 so that is included in our state's budget, and so. Um, absolutely issues like bail reform, uh, education, healthcare, MTA, all of these things, uh, impacts the budget, right? And, um, it's one thing to just have a number attached to a policy, but it's another to have that legislation that lays out a framework of how this funding, you know, and ha- how this policy should go, that's going to be funded. And so what we see a lot is, um, because of this article 7 and because of how uh, a lot of legislation can be passed in the in the budget um, many campaigns many advocates come together and they try to get in the budget if they can't get it in the budget um, they have a few months left to to push it after um, and so you know I, I would just say that, the the policies are so tightly connected, um, and so if you have a big ticket item, uh, something that you know is going to cost a lot, you want to be able to negotiate that so you have the amount of money, and the the legislation language together for it to be passing. Um, I will just also take a step back that when um, Hochul was elected, she actually at the end of last year vetoed a ton of bills, um, and she said, you know, I don't think these bills should go through the budget process and that was just something she said at the end of the year so I know folks are keeping an eye on that um, to see what is how much legislation is gonna be in the budget right and is she gonna push some of that legislation out of the budget process and the reason why um, I feel like we pay a lot of attention to that is because historically um, the executive office and the governor has a lot of say being the driver of the budget, they have a lot of say as to um, how much policy we can really pass and, and sort of the ways uh, we as advocates can pass it. Um, in the past, when our state Senate had the in- Independent Democratic Caucus, the only way you could pass any sort of progressive legislation was through the budget. And the reason for that is um, you have this tension that we don't want to not pass the budget because then our government kind of comes to a standstill, right? Because this, this budget includes paying state workers, right? Paying folks who are doing their jobs uh, for our state agencies. And so if the budget doesn't pass, um, that, that becomes an issue. Uh, and so it was a way you could sort of negotiate and make sure that there were some things passing. Um, and then after the Senate majority became Democratic they, uh, we saw more and more, uh, especially in 2019, there were larger pieces of legislation that were able to pass outside of the budget. So like the Greenlight Campaign, uh, some of the climate justice bills, like they were able to pass after
0: uh, the budget. Truly fascinating. Um, I guess, you know, like I've heard this thing, you know, I've I've heard the statement, budgets are political documents, and that's very much the case here in New York. and so, you know, when it comes to this year's fiscal budget, um, what should we be looking out for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot, a ton to be looking out for. Um, top level, I would say we have just been through a decade of Cuomo budgets, right? And um, when Kathy Hochul stepped in, she stepped in knowing that she had an election coming up. Right. So for the last budget, she was making decisions with in an upcoming election, which, uh, you know, they, they do have an impact uh, when elections are coming. And so this is her first budget with no upcoming election and really a place for her to establish herself. So this will give us an understanding of what budgets may be in the future, depending on how she, like what the decisions that she makes. What she, you know, how she negotiates with the assembly and the Senate. That's really important, right? I, I see a ton of articles about how Hochul and, and uh, Mayor Adams are on the same page about a lot. Uh, I don't see as many articles about Hochul being on the same page with the Senate and the assembly, you know? And so I think that's one thing, high level, for us to keep an eye on. And, uh, and then I would say definitely checking out the House budgets, um, the one House budgets, because then we'll see. Uh, what are the priorities of the legislature and how closely aligned they are with the executive, right? Because that will really show us how much there is to be negotiating. If you have a campaign and it's not in either of the one house budgets, it's going to be really hard. And it's not in the executive budget. It's going to be really hard to push that through. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on. And then um, a lot of her budget uh, proposals were broad and didn't have a lot of details. Um, And so definitely digging into those details. And finally, I would say keeping an eye on just like the impact of the relationship between local budgets and the state budget because there were several proposals like the Medicaid proposals, uh, the MTA proposals that actually put a lot more burden on localities than they have in the past. And so um, seeing how that is actually going to impact your local budgets as well um, once the the state budget um, wraps up. Um, And I know I said, finally, but actually the other element that I've heard of a lot of people just keeping an eye on is just the dynamics, the political dynamics between the legislature and the executive office with the possible fallout from the LaSalle vote. Um, But just seeing what pieces, you know, what legislation might be able to pass in the budget and after the budget, who those sponsors are versus who were the folks who sat on the Senate committee um, and voted against LaSalle. And so... Uh, Definitely it is, the budget is essential for (laughs) New York to keep going and um, it is definitely a moral document to show what we care about, but also a political document, as you said, um, because a lot of those relationships and things uh, come into play.
0: Wow. Um, You know, I I just appreciate just like how you've emphasized the importance of the budget process and um, everything that can be done within the budget, um, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, start paying attention to the legislative session in June when it's coming to a close and all the major high-profile bills start getting attention. But a line of those bills are being worked on now as well. Um, and so I'd love to hear, um, and I just have two more questions for you. Do you have any insights on this? Um, how can listeners weigh in on New York's budget And then, of course, how can they learn more about your work with the Advocacy Institute?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, folks listening can definitely uh, weigh in by starting to build relationships with organizations and coalitions who are working on the issues they care about. Um, As I said, there is a formal timeline. It has to pass by April 1st. So we have about a month left, which is, I don't know, probably 10, maybe 12 session days um, and what that means is, is those are the days that our elected officials are actually in Albany negotiating uh, the budget. And so, uh, you know, it's it's a tight turnaround. And so, if you're you're just hearing about it and you want to join, um, there are definitely uh, hundreds, you know, of organizations if not thousands, doing this work and going to Albany and and fighting for that. So finding those organizations and coalitions to learn about um, the policy proposals that they're pushing and and working on. Um, and then again, legislation is slow. I think that is also a reason why, um, folks really (laughs) don't want to follow it a lot because, um, I know pieces of legislation that took 10 years to pass. Like it's, it's the long game, right? It's, it's tough and it's, uh, there's this nitty gritty in the, in the details. And so, um, you can get involved now, to then be super equipped to better understand the process for next year, because it's going to come. And so we always encourage folks, uh, to know that, um, even though our, our legislators are in session January to June, uh, we are doing advocacy year round, right? As soon as the session ends, we're thinking about the next year, we're thinking about what works, what didn't work, uh, who's got, who were our champions, who weren't, who's going to sponsor the bill, all of that. And so, um, folks can really get involved right from the start, right, to to be engaging in advocacy wherever, um, wherever they enter in. And I would also say, talk to your local legislators about what you care about. I think um, we have a lot of uh, state folks, state legislators that they want to hear from your communities, right? They want to hear from you. Um, and historically, again, as our government structures were created, they feel sort of out of um, out of reach like we're not allowed to talk to them um, and I think there are a lot more legislators that are doing more um, proactive outreach to let folks know you know their office hours or whatever. so I would encourage people to meet your local uh, legislators figure out what they care about does it align with what you care about and share what you care about with them um, and uh, how you can find more information about the advocacy institute check out our website um, so we have a listserv that comes out every week where we s- sort of source, Uh, A lot of different uh, articles that are happening all across the state, Um, localities, uh, because we are a statewide organization and we have a membership of 70 organizations. Um, And so you can see sort of actions that are happening with our members. For those who really want to dig more into numbers and things on the budget, uh, there's places like Citizens Budget Commission, Fiscal Policy Institute, the New York State Comptroller's website that really kind of has reports and memos and breakdowns of the actual numbers um, that can be helpful if you have an issue that you care about. But yes, follow us on social media as well, Advocacy Institute. We're Hello Advocacy. We're just always looking to support more uh, folks who are doing this work and who want to get engaged, because we do believe that if we uh, can get more people engaged in government, we can hold our elected officials
0: accountable. Marissa, this was Great. It was so informative.
1: <laughs> I, tried, I tried hard. I, I do, um, if, if I'm able, could I just also plug, um, I realize we have a training that's coming up on March 16th that is on the New York State Who's Who. So if you are interested in learning, like who are the key players, you know, who are these names that have um, been stated here, definitely check our website out and you can register there.
0: Yeah, actually, I remember I participated in that trading as well years ago, and that was probably one of the most helpful trainings ever because there are all of these names, and you just sort of don't know. Who you see, you don't know who's at what committee, what power they have, um, what pers- how they're able to persuade the governor or not. And so, um, I definitely encourage um, folks to attend that training. Um, Marissa, so, thank you so much for joining us. This was great.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks again for joining us. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund, an organization that works to transform the immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical needs of individuals impacted by these systems daily. To learn more about our work and donate, visit us at envisionfreedom.org. That's envisionfreedom.org. Dismantling Injustice was created by Sally Israel. Our executive producer is Abigail Wolf. This podcast is produced and engineered by Yassi Solutions and hosted by Carl Hammett Lipscomb. That's me. Special thanks to the team at Envision Freedom for being amazing. Until we're all free, peace out.